So have you ever seen something that looked like something else? This week there's been a, a picture, recently a picture floating around on the old worldwide interweb, and, and it's a picture of the shadow of a tree on the front of a garage door. And oftentimes what you'll see with this picture is a question. Hey, can you see Rambo in that shadow? Now, Rambo is a movie role, recurring movie role, played by actor Sylvester Stallone. I think they're filming you know, Rambo 17 or 18 now. It's, it's one that's been around for a while. And, and so there's this, this shadow on this garage, and people say, hey, it looks, looks like Rambo. And if you put a picture of Rambo right next to the shadow on the garage, you can, you can kind of see the likeness. You know, it's, it's kind of there. It's, it's kind of in the picture. Some people say it looks like other celebrities, not Rambo. Some people even say it looks like a, a bear playing a flute. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's there, but I mean, if I had a dollar for every single time I thought something looked like a bear playing a flute, well, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have a dollar. <laughs> but what if you were given a picture of the shadow on the garage and you weren't told anything about a celebrity? You weren't told anything about a bear playing a flute. And you just looked at it just like it was. You might just think it's the shadow of a tree on a garage. I was reading this week that maybe what's happening here with the old Rambo shadow is something that's known as confirmation bias. It's kind of the idea of this, that if you have something in your mind already, then you begin to believe what you already have in your mind. Or maybe you see something that connects with something that you already believe. So in other words, if you tell me, hey, I bet you can see Rambo in the picture of this shadow, that when I look at the shadow, I already have something in my mind that I'm looking for. So I'm already going to be biased, so to speak, to be looking for this certain image. It's the idea of agreeing with what is already in your mind before it goes to what you see. There's a problem with confirmation bias, though, and it's this. It can often lead to something that somebody has put this way. We're unable to unsee things. We're unable to unsee things. In other words, once you tell me that Rambo's in there, and once I see Rambo, I'm never going to be able to see the bear playing the flute. And that would just be a crying shame, right, if I couldn't see the bear playing the flute. So, so confirmation bias can mess with us because we can't unsee something. So I have a shadow I want you to look at today. I'm not going to tell you what to look for in the shadow, though, and that's because you already see something in the shadow. This is a shadow that really you can only see kind of one of two things. And so what's about to happen as we look at this shadow is you're either going to have your confirmation bias confirmed or it's going to be challenged. So what do you already see in this shadow? Let's find out. Psalm 23, verse 4. The Lord is my shepherd even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow I'm talking about is the shadow of death. What do you see in the shadow of death? Do you see death or do you see a shadow? Now, am I just messing with words? Am I just messing with your mind? No, think of it this way. 
Can the shadow of a dog bite you? Can the shadow of a dog bite you? Charles Spurgeon said this, The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. What does that mean? Well, first we need to understand the pronoun there. It's the us. A person who is believing in and relying on and trusting in and clinging to Jesus Christ as their first and only and ultimate source of salvation and hope, that person, death and the shadow of death, cannot destroy them. So the question is, are you doing that? Are you someone who's believing in Jesus in that way? Are you believing in Jesus outside of just an hour or two on Sunday mornings? Are you believing in Jesus right in the middle of the sick days and the healthy days? In the very middle of the fantastic days and the frustrating days? In the middle of the wonderfully terrific days? And in the middle of the brutally terrible days? Are you believing in Jesus in the middle of all the days? Or are you mostly believing in Jesus in the middle of church and not really anywhere else? Or maybe you don't believe anything about Jesus. And you don't care about the shadow of death. Your thought is, hey, you only go around once and and then you just die. So there's really nothing else to even think about. I was born at University Hospital in Augusta, Georgia, to Patricia Andrews Welsh and Josie Dow Welsh Sr. And yes, if you see that picture, I think that's the last time I've had my shirt off in public. (laughs) When I was 30 years old, uh, I walked all over the main lobby of Crestwood Elementary School in North Little Rock, Arkansas, telling people to read the entire ballot before they voted because that was my job that day as a poll worker. When I was 33, I lived on Tinsley Drive just outside of Anderson, South Carolina. Those are three basic facts about my life. They can be confirmed through some pretty faithful documentation, and many people can confirm those three facts about me are true. But there are a whole lot of other facts about my life that if those were shared with you, you would know much more about me than just those three facts. Jesus of Nazareth was born in Bethlehem to a young woman named Mary and her husband, Joseph. When he was 30 years old, he began to walk around and and tell people that they needed to repent and turn to God. When he was 33, he was crucified outside of Jerusalem. Those are three basic facts about Jesus of Nazareth. They can be confirmed with faithful documentation, and many people, including many non-Christians, can confirm and have confirmed those basic facts. A casual look at those facts may lead somebody to go, well, you know, Jesus was just a nice guy, maybe, maybe a pretty good teacher. Every now and then, he may have, he talked a little crazy, and, and maybe his crazy talk just got him in trouble one day and got him killed. Some people might just think that. The problem, though, is that just based on those three facts, you you miss the whole picture. See, there's a lot of other facts that can be shared about Jesus that would help you to see more of who he really is. And some of those facts contain some pretty bold claims that he made. 
And I would graciously submit to you that those bold claims make it at the very least difficult and at the most dangerous to just ignore Jesus and just to casually say, well, you only live once and there's nothing else after that. The often quoted words of C.S. Lewis are consistently helpful. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But... Let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus was clear about who he is. Jesus was clear about who he was. And the Bible gives faithful documentation to his life and to his claims. The latest statistics show that one out of every one person is going to die. One out of every one. So like it or not, the shadow of death is hanging over your life. So what do you see in that shadow? And what does Jesus have to do with what you see? Last Sunday, we, we talked about the voice of Jesus and how it's full of this, this powerful, amazing music of salvation and joy. And, and that voice of Jesus, it, it never stops playing that music. And Jesus has some, some background music playing behind the shadow of death. And it is amazing and it is powerful. The Apostle Paul has, has written the lyrics. It kind of goes like this, Colossians 2. When you were dead in your transgressions, he made you alive together with him and having forgiven us all our transgressions. Dead, alive through Jesus, all of our transgressions, all of our rebellions, our trespasses, our sins, all of them forgiven. How? How does Jesus take care of our transgressions against a holy, holy, holy God? Paul goes on, verse 14. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to us. You think our federal debt is bad. This debt is hostile. The debt of our sin is, is hostile to us. Why? Why so hostile? In his letter to the folks at Galatia, Paul wrote them this, Galatians 3.10, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Paul's quoting from Deuteronomy here, and, and what he's saying is, look, this is not my opinion. These are not my ideas. I'm not just giving you some, some fun religious stuff here. This is what Moses commanded the people. And Moses commanded the people that because he got the command from God. And the command is this. If you do not perfectly and consistently honor and obey the law of God, then you will fall short of the glory of God. 
If you don't perfectly and consistently, continually keep God's law, then the scripture says you will fall under the curse that comes from breaking that law. So show of hands. <laughs> Not really. How many of you have perfectly and continually kept God's law just for the last week or last 24 hours? Now, before you start thinking, well, I don't, I don't think I did anything that bad this week, let me give you a little more Spurgeon. If man does nothing wrong, yet if he fails to do that which is right, he's guilty. He misses the mark who shoots beyond it or falls short of it. <laughs> Boy, glad I came to church today to find out that I'm always going to get it wrong, that I can't ever do anything right, that I'm always going to fail. Thanks a lot, preacher. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> why would I not share that with you? Well, why would I not remind us that a person who cannot perfectly and continually keep God's law, a person who fails to do that, why would I not remind us that the command from a holy, holy, holy God is that that person would fall under the curse? And that that curse is the, the horror of eternal death and separation from God, and you never quit experiencing that death and that separation. See, without Christ, we are dead in our sins. Without Christ, we are deeper in the deepest debt, spiritual, hostile debt. Without Christ, we are without God and we are without hope in this world. But with Christ, the hostile certificate of death gets canceled, gets wiped out, gets wiped out away. And it doesn't just get canceled. This is what Paul goes on to say in Colossians 2.14. And he, Jesus, has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Of all the amazing and astounding things connected and surrounding the cross of Jesus Christ, perhaps the most amazing is that by his blood, the debt of our sin is paid and that debt can never be presented against us again. Let me repeat that. That debt of our sin can never be presented against us again. As the hymn writer says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. All of that is the background music of the shadow of death. Can you hear it? Can you hear this music, the music of the gospel, even in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death? If so, then it changes what you see in the shadow. How? Well, see, a believer lives in the shadow of the cross, knowing that the debt of their sin has been paid by Jesus. But for Jesus, the cross was not a shadow. Octavius Winslow said this, Christ suffered death as the substitutionary offering of his church. Consequently, death was to him not what it is to us, a covenant blessing, but it was an unrepealed, unmitigated curse. He met not the shadow, 
but the substance of death. Not the phantom, but the reality. Suffering countless million deaths in one. You see, believing and trusting and relying on and clinging to Jesus Christ as your first and only and ultimate source of salvation and hope, it means that you get the shadow, not the substance. Now, does that mean that we won't feel the natural pains of physical death, that we'll just get swept up in some kind of magical golden chariot? No, that's not what it means. English pastor Samuel Lavington wrote this about death. I may be afraid of the agonies of dying. However, the venom of his sting is taken away. The point of his arrow is blunted so that it can pierce no deeper than the body. My death may be peaceful or it may be painful. It may be the result of tragedy or it may be the result of old age. But my death will not be permanent. Why? Because I'm, I'm some wishful thinker, banking my life on, on some noble lucky charm, banking my life on some you know, nice you know, religious crutch, banking my life on some spiritual coping mechanism, banking my life on a, on a scrapbook full of good deeds, banking my life on a, a shiny pin for my jacket that says I had attendance at church. No. No, I'm banking my life on the compelling truth that Jesus was not a poached egg. I'm banking my life on the fact that he was and he is the precious, only begotten Son of God. That he voluntarily died to cancel out the hostile debt of my sin. And then he raised himself from the grave so that the world will know of all of his power and all of his authority. And he rose himself from the grave so that he would proclaim to my heart and my mind and my soul that death would only be a shadow for me. Every promise that has ever been connected to Jesus Christ has been kept. So... I got a minimum of about 6,000 years of evidence that says I can believe him when he says this to me. John 14, 3. I will receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That's a promise from the Son of God that cannot be changed. Still, you may be thinking, man, I'm glad I came to church today. Thanks for the sermon of death, Dow. Appreciate that a lot. Thanks. I'll be sure to make sure I have Psalm 23 read at my funeral after today. Okay, fine. Here's the thing, though. This, this is not a funeral psalm. This is really not a psalm about dying. It's, it's a song about living. Our students were at camp this past week, and Jay Hardwick, their camp speaker, He challenged them to own their faith and to live out their faith. That's all David's doing here. He's owning his faith in the Good Shepherd. He's living out his faith in the Good Shepherd even by reading his words. See, there's absolutely no indication that he's really dying here. Now, there's, There's a lot of cool, great things in this psalm. 
The only indication is that he is writing that he is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There's some kind of valley he's in. There's a, there's a valley of, of difficulty or, or danger. He's, he's hedged in. He's, he's surrounded. His stress, his strain, his fear, his worry, all those things are very real and, and they keep growing and he feels like his enemies are all around him. Ever been there? Ever felt that way? Are you feeling that way today? Or are you in the middle of a, a pretty significant valley in your life right now? This, this picture of the valley, it, it brings a couple of different images to my mind. One, one from the Old West. You got the, you got the marshal, you know, slowly riding in the, the middle of town. And the bad guy, the outlaw, he's all the way down to the other end of town. And, and the marshal's just riding slowly. And, and on all the buildings, all down the path in town, all spread out, the outlaw's buddies are up on top of the roofs. And they got all their rifles pointed down at the marshal. That marshal, he's, he's riding through a valley of dangerous rifles. It also gives me a, an image of, of something I experienced in my, my college cheerleading and mascotting days when we were at away games. You go in and out of the, the tunnels uh, at away stadiums or away arenas. Or, you know, the fans are, are hanging all over around on the rails and, and hanging down. And, man, they're screaming and yelling. And, and they ain't always screaming and yelling. You know, they're Sunday school memory verses from the week before. I mean, there's, there's all kind of things. And, and you kind of walk through that tunnel. And, and you're kind of walking through this, this valley, so to speak, of creatively angry fans. You know, life is full of valleys. Some of them are great. Man, they're, they're just like sitting down by a, a little rustling creek and there's a, there's a cool breeze coming out over the mountains. Man, it's, it's a great valley. Other valleys, not so great. They're tough. The, the shadows coming from the mountain is, is dark and they, they feel depressing and discouraging, dangerous, even deadly. A believer, though, has this promise that in a sense, all the valleys of life are only a shadow because of the promises of Jesus Christ. So they're real, but they're just a shadow. I was reading last week about a survival story from a Korean veteran named Marvin Schmidt. He was critically wounded. He couldn't walk. He was behind enemy lines. He was literally kind of crawling around and, and hiding in bushes and just praying for a miracle. And this is what he said. I wasn't afraid, even though I was sure I wouldn't survive. The phrase that hit closest to home was about being in the valley of the shadow of death. That's where I literally was. But even in this valley, the Lord was with me. The miracle came. He did get rescued. But if he did not survive, he already knew the shepherd was with him either way. In other words, live or die. For Marvin, death was going to be a shadow. It was impossible for it to be anything else because of his faith in Jesus Christ. So what does David sing to himself about his shadow of death and this valley that he's in. Well, look at his words. Even though, even though the King James says, yay, it's great. 
In other words, yeah, this is going to happen. <laughs> when I walk through these valleys, it's, it's going to happen. I'm going to be in valleys. That's a promise for all of us. We're going to have valleys. If you're looking for a perfect life and you think God owes it to you, you will be disappointed. And if you think any other religion can promise it to you, you will be equally disappointed. There will be valleys. We are not promised comfort. And so how should he go through these valleys? Well, he sings to himself that he's going to (laughs) walk. Even though I walk, he's not fast walking. He ain't jogging. He ain't sprinting. He's, He's just walking. In other words, he's not panicking. Listen, I have my moments where I panic, and you have your moments where you panic. We, we panic sometimes. But what David's doing with the 23rd Psalm is, is he's given us something to remember, something to memorize, something to, to embrace and to enjoy so that we can be confident that we don't have to live our lives in constant panic, that we don't have to be known for our fear. We can be known for our faith. That we don't have to be known as someone who's in a constant state of panic, but we would be known more that we've learned how to praise God even in the valley and in the tough times. David says, even though I walk. And what gives him the confidence to walk in this valley of shadows? Look what he says next. Through. (laughs) One word. Even though I walk through. One of the most powerful words for a Christian. Robert Morgan says this, for Christians problems are always temporary and blessings always eternal, as opposed to non-Christians whose blessings are temporal and whose problems are eternal. There's great power in this this one word, through. So, So the question is this, which one are you living like today? The Christian that knows that the worst of our problems is temporary because we are in Christ, or you live in like the non-Christian where all of the problems feel and seem and we act like they are eternal. Are we walking through or are we standing in the middle and just panicking and screaming and saying, God, where are you? And we, we'll have some moments like that. But as believers, they, they should be rare. We, we should keep walking and trusting the Good Shepherd. Stephen Curtis Chapman is a Christian singer, and he has walked through a valley. In fact, really, he's still walking through this valley. He and his wife adopted their daughter Maria from China. A few days after her birthday, she was running out in the driveway to meet her older brother, Will, who was just driving up from being in an audition at school. Will never saw her. She was pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital. She was just five years old. This week, Stephen Curtis Chapman was in an interview about a new book that he's written. The title of his book is called Between Heaven and the Real World. And this is what he said about his daughter's death. It's what I call the ultimate unfixable. Do you have something unfixable in your life? Do you have something that feels unfixable in your life today? He goes on. 
The places that I'd want to avoid at all costs, the places I would have scripted very differently in my life, have been the places where I have actually encountered God in the deepest ways. What I would go back and undo in any way if I could was the loss of our daughter, but I have had to acknowledge and see how God has revealed himself even through the valley of the shadow of death. He goes on, having to hold on to the promise that the story's not over yet is the key. That's the thing that continues to give us hope to walk through it and not run from it and to keep pushing back at the darkness. And then he says this, we really believe he is going to make all things new and work all these things together for our good and his glory. That day is coming and that's how we can keep showing up in a world full of unfixable things. The world is full of unfixable things. The world is full of valleys. The world is full of very dark shadows. And death is real. But as believers, we can keep pushing back against the darkness. Because in Christ, we walk through the darkness. And because of Christ, we walk through death. We walk through. Our shepherd is not a figment of our imagination. Our savior is not a poached egg. He is the king. He is the Messiah. He is the savior. He is the redeemer. And he will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. He can do nothing else. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul.